the the equity in your homes is like monopoly money. And if you don't use it, you're going to lose it because the, of the market cycles. So he was like, anytime you can take money out to buy more property, that's what you should do. So the play that you're doing is like, is, is dope. And that's the play that we're doing as well. Taking out all the equity out of all of our properties so we can buy more property. Just in case the market corrects, we're not, we're not stuck. Turn this up. Turn this up. You're listening to the official 9 to 5 CEO podcast. This is the show where two 9 to 5ers discuss gyms, strategies, and how to survive the lifestyle of balancing a job and building a business. And now, here are your hosts, Tremaine Robinson and Zena Dixon. Hello and welcome to the 9 to 5 CEO podcast. I'm one half Tremaine, a.k.a. the 9 to 5 landlord. And I'm Zena Dixon, a.k.a. Zena Dixon. What's going on, fam? Uh, you know, what's going on with you for right now? <laughs> Nothing much. Um, well, I'm lying. <laughs> Got a lot going on. <laughs> so, um, you know, I was working with Makia from New Heights Realty, um, New, New Heights Property Management, and she found me a potential tenant. Um, her application looks good and everything. She wants to move in this Sunday. So Ooh. I got to um, Home Depot and get some new blondes. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and I'm having an open house today for the same apartment. So um, even if we don't pick anyone from that batch, this this unit that I'm in temporarily, I'll have, you know, more candidates for this one. So um, that's, that's, that's kind of dope. I kind of like handing this off to Makia because it just took a whole lot off my plate as a landlord, a real estate in- investor and all that stuff. Um, so it's, it's been clutch having her handle this for me. Um, the other thing is I'm doing a class with Janine from <laughs> Black Girls by mm-hmm. Real Estate. <laughs> so I'm super excited about that. Um, you know how nervous I get, Tremaine. I was sweating bullets the whole time I was talking to her. <laughs> yeah. But, like let's do this i love what you're doing i love you know what you're teaching so you know let's bring it to the masses and i was like bet that's what i'm all about and um we closed on another property in philly so you know we you know we're rocking and rolling um about to you know we're um in the in the process of refinancing two of those properties so in case you know the listeners doesn't know um we Tremaine and I, we both bur properties, which means we buy them, we rehab them, we um, rent them, and then we refinance. And once you once you're done with the rehab and you get your tenants and you can refinance that property and you can pull out the money that you use to fix it up and the equity that's that you forced when you um, added value to it by fixing it up. So that's where that's the that's the process that we're in now to do the refinance to bring the money out. And because the market was going crazy, you know, over the over the past few months, the property value went up so much. We have a lot of built-in equity, so I'm gonna pull that money out and buy some more property. <laughs> do it again and do it again and do it again. Um. So yeah. Oh, and then today I'm going to an event. Um. You know, L L talks money off of Instagram. Mm-hmm. She's having an event out here in Chicago, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stop through and you know, oh, okay. and and see what's going on there. So, yeah, I got a lot going on today. Oh, and, and to, you know, go look at some more properties because I'm really trying to retire by the end of the year. <laughs> Let's get it. Let's get it. No, all of that sounds fire. Uh, for you, 
I know a lot of times when you buy a building, right, you always uh, visualize, like, okay, once I get it fully occupied, I'm going to rent for this amount, this amount, this amount. How fulfilling is it that you're, like, almost at that point where it's like, damn, I'm really about to have them numbers inside of each unit every month? I'm super excited because it took me a while to get here because with COVID and, you know, that impacting my tenants and stuff like that, it just, it just, it was just... It was hard because, you know, when you go into a deal, you're just thinking about the numbers, how much, you know, make the the rents market thing. And then, you know, COVID just threw a whole wrench up in that. It was like, nope, we're not doing none of that. So um, but it worked out in a good way because I didn't have to evict that tenant. She kind of left on her own and I was able to turn that unit over pretty quickly because she was she was a good tenant. She just ran into hard times. Um and, you know, now I have somebody that's already interested. They're like, I'm ready to move in now. And we know that that's a red flag. Right. But um, she had submitted her her application like a month ago, but she needed to get her pay stubs because she's in the process of packing because the um, the landlord was selling the property. So Makes she's sense. like placed and, 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 and not organized. So now that we able to verify her income and her job, I'm just like, it's a go. So, you know, most, more than likely, I'm just going to rent it to her, let her and her 14-year-old son move in. And, you know, and then I could work on, you know, getting a tenant for this one so I could go back home. <laughs> That's a fact. But you could be buying a lot of blinds, man. That happened to me when I had a tenant move and I was at Home Depot like, damn, what size do I need? It was crazy. But once they yeah. was in there, I was good. And so what you think about that? Because I I did a poll on my stories asking, you know, other landlords or just tenants, do you prefer blinds to be in the property or do you prefer to buy them? And uh, one of them, he was like, I don't buy blinds. I got a lot of windows. I let the tenants handle that. But one one landlord said, I always buy the blinds because I never want to want the place to look like it's vacant because that's an invitation for people to be doing these things. So what's your take on that? I think it depends on like the level of which your property is. I think if it's like a standard rental, like a standard, you know, lower price point rental, you might want to just have blinds in there. But I think if it's on like the luxury level, you're charging high, high rents. The person that has, you know, that's buying a place, they probably want to put their own blinds up. So I think it depends like the price point of your rental and where it's at. Like if you in the burbs and you out, you might want to have them by their own uh, curtains. But, you know. If we in the trenches and you know and the rent lower, then you might want to, you know, have that provided. Yeah. And I don't want nobody putting sheets up to the window. So I'm gonna just go and get these. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely put the sheets up for sure, for sure. <laughs> so what's going on with you? I see you got your merch on. You oh got- yeah, the merch came in yesterday, man. The load got dropped off, man. I'm like, oh, okay, about time. God damn it. I don't even order stuff. So when I do, I'd be tracking the mess out of it. But, you know, it came yesterday. Uh, right now for us, we are trying to re, uh, we'll get an equity loan on our primary house. And um, so we fixed up a lot here. All we have left is like the two lower bathrooms in the kitchen. And um, to my surprise, one thing that the bank that we're going through said they do first is called an exterior appraisal. It's all drive-by appraisal. Pretty much they drive by, look at the property, and if it looks like it hits those metrics, you will approve for the uh, the equity loan that we're trying to get. So I'm like, oh, okay. So that switched everything up for us. That's so dope. now, so now uh, we have a big tree in the front. I got a quote for that. We got exterior paint. We thinking about window trim. Like 
it's a lot that go into the exterior, but I think if we do these things and we do it properly, of course, I had like a landscaping crew come out here to kind of just give me a quote. Cause I mean, I could cut the grass, but it's like, I wanted to have that look to where when you drive by, there's no question. So we kind of just trying to line all those things up because once this uh, equity loan goes through, I've already been talking to a, a, a different bank about, um, buying like several properties in a uh, LLC name. Oh, nice. Kind of establishing the business that way. That way it's not in our personal. So there's people in Milwaukee that sell on like portfolios of properties. And I kind of want to buy several at one time as opposed to just doing one, one, one. And uh-huh. then, you know, you keep the bar rolling from there. So yeah, that's where we at. We just trying to finish this exterior, get this appraisal done, this equity loan, get some more properties and then you know, get to that next level. So two questions. So with um, buying a portfolio in your LLC, did- banks say you had to do anything in particular that you wasn't aware of or? Oh, um, no, not this one particular. I mean, because I was telling him the errors and like the cash flow that it was. And what he was saying is that, um, you know, when they do underwriting, as opposed to really focusing on DTI personally, they look at the rents to the, what the mortgage would be. So they look at it from a cash flow perspective. So when I heard that, I'm like, oh, I'm good. Because like I, it's a spread on every one. You know what I mean? So when he said that, I'm like, oh, okay, I might have, we might have a real shot to buy five to eight properties at one time and just, you know, get rolling from there. That's what's up. Are they all single families or are they a mix of like duplexes? I think and tri- majority single families, but there are a couple of duplexes here and there. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. nice. That sounds so dope. I love it. I actually love the idea of buying a portfolio because it's like a one, you can just do one deal and get like eight properties and, you know, you can set up your property management or, you know, however you're going to handle it all at one time and you don't have to like piecemeal it together. So that's dope. I love that idea. No, no, that's a fact. That's a fact. And I just think that, you know, it just it gives you so much leverage on so many different things. Like if I'm buying eight at one time, I could probably get a way better price point. Like I'm relieving, like, you know, from the perspective of the seller, I'm relieving. They're not even selling. They're really trying to be relieved of the burden of having to manage their property. So if I'm buying eight at one time. I might be able to get a great price point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And another thing I was thinking is just like, you know, as you scale, you definitely want to alleviate yourself of certain processes. And I know I have a landlord in course, but I was thinking about it. I'm like, well, if I got eight properties, um, or if I buy eight properties and I need to fill in six of them, I might get a lease and agent. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I might tell her my, what my requirements are, but I don't mind splitting what the security deposit is going to be in half because, you know, end of the day, I just want to have a good tenant inside the building. Exactly. Exactly. And with everything you got going on, you probably need to offset some of those tasks because trying to find a tenant is very um, laborious and it, it's very time consuming. So that Let alone six. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that that'll be a, a great idea. And, you know, just a great team member to bring on, because as you keep growing, you're going to need all those things. So, no, yeah. That's a fact. And then once that happened, I'm picking like, damn, do I 1031 another one of my buildings and go get six more and, and get a, a 500% return compared to what I was getting on that one if I sell that one, but it's kind of got an emotional attached. So it's a lot I'm thinking about, but that's just the power of real estate. Because honestly, for me, it would be hard to just generate $150,000 out of nowhere if I didn't have these buildings, honestly. Like, honestly Thanks. speaking, you ever think about that? Like, damn, if I had to come up with this money, it'll then be virtually impossible to just do so in this type of speed. Yes. Yes. And then with the the fact that the market is showing no signs of slowing down, there's still, you know, a a deficit in in terms of housing. So your, your equity is just going to keep running up, you know? So 
it, it, it's like a win-win no matter how you look at it. And from my perspective, though, I think a lot of times, like, it's crazy because once you start looking at, like, equity loans of, you know, above 150, you know, sometimes people be saying, like, just get a, a big commercial building, right? And it's like, you know, that's going to appreciate. And I be hearing that because I do. But then I think about the fact that the market is so crazy. And I'm like, all the equity I'm pulling out now, I want that to just be cash flow because that's that's safe. That's guaranteed. Like, my mortgage is fixed. Rent is almost fixed, depending if you want to raise them. So it's like, regards to what's going on in the market, I'm making this much a month. You know what I mean? I think a, a lot of people that's kind of bond with that on that play or betting on appreciation, it might come back to bite them. Yeah. yeah. I think it will in a year or two. Now, I'm not saying next year, but I do think like where it's kind of going, it's like, you know, once interest rates hit six, seven percent, like, I mean, now I'm not really worried that it's been five. Right. But once it starts being above seven, seven and a quarter. It's like, that's a lot to be locked yeah. in on 30 for 30 years. But, you know, what's your opinion on that? So um, I, I think um, I think with the with the equity and the appreciation, the place that you're running, taking that money out to buy more property is the best thing, because if you let that money sit, like you said, and, and appreciation starts to go down or there's there's a shift in the market where you know, it's correcting, you know, and the, and the, and the values go down, at least you done pulled that money out and it's not eroding in a property, you know, cause you think, oh, let me just ride this out. Yeah. Long, long-term 30 years, that's a good ride out. But in the short term, like the next two, you know, next year or two, taking out all the equity as much as you can is that's the best play in my opinion, because you don't want that to erode. I remember listening to Matt, um, the the mortgage guy, MG mm-hmm. the mortgage, and he was talking about that. He was like, the the equity in your homes is like monopoly money, and if you don't use it, you're gonna lose it because the of the market cycles. So he was like, anytime you can take money out to buy more property, that's what you should do. So the play that you're doing is like is is dope, and that's the play that we're doing as well, taking out all the equity out of all of our properties so we can buy more property. Just in case the market corrects, we're not we're not stuck, you know, like, oh, man, we should have took that hundred thousand dollars out. The other thing is, um, again, long term, we're not in this for the short gains. We're in it for the long term. So us having these mortgages for 30 years at the fixed rate, that's the best play. You know, a lot of people are going with those arms and stuff like that. And that might be creative to get into a property. But as soon as you can turn that into a 30 year or 40 year that's the best play. And I know a lot of people is like, damn, why would you want a 40 year mortgage? That's be- that is um, to alleviate the high, um, the high interest rate that's coming. So if the interest rate is really high and you need to do like a 40 year to bring down the payment. So it's so that you can get into the property. That might be the play that you want to take. And then in five years, you, you, you might be in a different position where you can refinance and get into like a 15 or a 30 but I think that um, you just have to be strategic in any of these mortgage products that you get into and be very strategic about your plan, your exit strategy. Because t- since I met you, you always thinking about the exit strategy, like, what am I going to do you know, in case X, Y, and Z? And, you know, you already got it locked. So that's that's my thoughts. Like, you know, when you have equity, pull it, pull it out. Like, what are you letting it sit there for, you know? You got you gotta you gotta make moves with this 
basically free money, like this tax free money, you know? So, yeah. yeah. No, no, that's my whole thing. It's like if I got a hundred thousand in equity and I could take out a loan where I got to pay a thousand dollars a month, but I get six thousand dollars in cash flow from that same loan. Yes. It's a no brainer because now when the market resides and oh, your property is only at 80 percent. I'm not tripping. I, I got five, six thousand dollars of passive income every month. I could put that into the market. You know what I mean? I could stack that and, you know, buy now these discounted properties every two, three months. But it still gives me that uh, ability to get inside of the market. And I think a lot of people that's kind of banking on this equity thing. Once that stops, it's going to be hard to generate money to get into the market. Right. Right. And then a lot of people that get into real estate, they're getting into it for cash flow. Like equity and appreciation is good. And we like that. But the cash flow is the thing that is going to give you the time and, and the wealth freedom. So those are the things that people should focus on. How much is this going to make me once I buy it? Not how much is it going to be worth in 30 years? That's like that's secondary and that's good. But you want to think about the short term, which is how much cash flow is it going to give me monthly? So you talked about the 1031. Can you explain to the listeners that may not know what that is, okay. what that's about? So the 1031 is, is if you have a building, a multifamily, single family, whatever it is that you sell, and let's say you have a profit, you know, usually that profit is taxable. However, if you use that same profit money to put into similar or like properties, so let's say, for instance, I sell my three unit building and then I go, let's say I sell it, I have $80,000 and I use that $80,000 to go buy a six unit building or, you know, six single families that money will not be taxed. So I won't have to pay tax on that same 80. So what, what you're pretty much doing is, you know, you delaying the 80 that's have in your pocket just to get some more cash flow. That's how I look at it because that's what I'm going to do. So that's what I plan on doing with one of my triplexes. I'm unsure of which one, but after we get these properties based off this equity loan, I'm going to really evaluate, you know, what I'm trying to do with which one. But yeah, all this stuff can go because I, I know what's coming in the market. So I'm just like, I'm trying to be cash flow rich because that's all that's going to matter when it's, you know, this equity appreciation wave is kind of slowing down. Right. Right. So, um, so that, that means that they can, um, defer tax payment on that money, right. Put it using a 1031. So yeah. Yeah. they won't be paying capitals gains tax if they sell it and they don't put it you know, and they put it into something else rather than just taking the money and putting it into their bank account. Do you work a nine to five or looking to add more value to your five to nine through rental property investment? Rental property management does not have to be difficult, confusing, or impossible while you work your day job. Tremaine, a.k.a. the 9 to 5 Landlord 414 presents 9 to 5 Landlording 101 for Beginners. This complete guide will help you to manage your rental units while you focus on your 9 to 5, and Tremaine will give you the entire blueprint, the tools and the processes he's personally used to manage his rental unit portfolio while working his 9 to 5. Grab yours today at 9 to 5. 9to5landlord414.gumroad.com That's 9to5landlord414.gumroad.com It's 9to5landlording101 for beginners by Tremaine, a.k.a. the 9to5landlord414. 
If you're looking to buy your first multifamily property but don't know where to start, don't worry any longer. We have a solution for you. Book a 101 60-minute call with Zena Dixon today. In our time together, you'll receive the answers to your questions, insight into your goals, and an action plan that you can put into motion to start you and your family on your wealth-building journey. Investing in multifamily real estate was the beginning for countless millionaires. And now is your turn. Book with Zena Dixon today at Calendly.com forward slash Zena Dixon INC. That's Calendly.com forward slash Z-E-N-A-D-I-X-O-N-I-N-C. Also see the link in the show notes. Yep. yep. Okay. So yeah, yeah, that's the that that's the play. But um question I have for you. So I don't know if you see when I sent you, but there was an article. Shout out to Monopoly Bros. Um to where I believe in Dallas, Texas, they were limiting um, home buying f- from investors. And uh, what, like, you know, what's your thoughts on that? Like, you know, firsthand, just seeing it. I've been seeing that in a lot of different areas. And I've also been seeing some cities are saying that they want to give tenants the first rights to buy property. So say you go ahead and you put your um, your triplex on the market. And this, I forget which city, I want to say somewhere in Missouri, um, or Seattle, one of them, but they were saying that they want to give the tenants the first right to purchase instead of another investor coming in and buying that property. Mm. And I was like, people, I, I just, I don't understand like what the politics are thinking in terms of, you know, I know you want to do right by the tenants and everything should be fair, but you know, real talk, if a tenant is renting and they probably don't have no no thoughts about buying property. You know, they just want to rent because they don't they they their mindset is like, I don't want I don't want all the hassles. I don't want to be, you know, have a tenant like me up in there, you know, that type of thing. Um, so the so the politicians is is like trying to give the tenants the warm fuzzies, like we really care about you and we want to do these things for you. But it's just like at the expense of the the um the property owners that's paying taxes, that's paying to keep the city going. And you like every every chance you get, you're shanking us. Like I just don't understand it. But to your question, um, I, I I just think it's like a it's a political play. Like you know, we want to be politically correct and that we're doing right by the people. But I, I I think it's just a I just think I just think it's lip service. I really don't think that because um, there's going to be ways around it. You know, all right. No, I'll take my investor hat off and I'll be a private citizen. Can I buy this building? You know, it, it just doesn't seem like something that's one that's sustainable and two, that's a good idea. No, no, I just, sure. it's, this is a capitalistic society. And, you know, if you can sell it or you can buy it, that's what it is. So it's just like, I don't know what their end game is with that. I th- I just think it's to make, you know, people feel comfortable like, oh, you know, uh, I'll have I'll have the opportunity to buy if I want to, or I just I don't know. It's just weird because if nobody buys the properties, then then what? What is the city gonna own it? The government gonna own it? And you know, government is the worst landlord. Have you ever saw the, the buildings for like um, public housing? They be in shambles, right. and they nothing about it. So it's just like, <laughs> is the government gonna buy all these properties? Like. Sometimes I wonder if, you know, some cities want to go into socialism and think that, oh, we should take care of the people. But socialism doesn't work because everybody doesn't pull their weight. 
You know what I mean? So that's that's my thought. I, I feel like it's lip service and um, they're just trying to give the people the warm fuzzies. <laughs> what you think? Uh, I think uh, conceptually it's a good idea. Like, you know, we want to give everybody a fair chance. Right. But I think the reason why in reality it doesn't play out like that is because of two things. One. You got to think about it from the perspective of somebody that's like, you know, a consumer, because I, I won't say an investor. If you're going to buy one, you kind of more consumer more than the, I mean, you're an investor, but you know what I'm saying? Like you're not buying several. So for somebody, let's say, you know, it's an open house. Right. And an investor walks in and somebody who's not an investor that's just trying to buy a house walks in. Right. When they leave that house. That consumer or, you know, that person that's just buying that one house, they're going to think about it for eight hours. They're going to sleep on it. They're going to call 30 different family members to be like, you know what? Should I buy? I don't know. This might not be for me. I don't know. It's a lot. It's a house. What about this? What about that? That investor, after he walked in, his mind already made up. He know what he's going to offer. He know the price point he's going to go in at. He know how quick he want to close. It's that fast. And I think a lot of times in this market, that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. Like I said, the investor that's walking a single family home, he know what the rent is. He already knew what his offer was before he walked in there looking at the house just confirms what he's going to offer. But right. it's like the person that's buying the house, that's like the consumer, they got a lot of stuff to think about. They're not going to probably move as fast. They got to think about it, talk about it with their parents. You know, how far away is it from the school? They got to evaluate a whole different line item of things before they even write in an offer if they even get in fast enough. Exactly. So yeah. I think, you know, that that rule, it, it sounds good conceptually, but I still think that it's going to still be a lot, a big pool of buyers regardless. It'll just be a bigger pool of, you know, consumer or, you know, regular buyers. But if it's eight of them, no matter if they're investors or not, you still have to go up on your offer. So exactly. it's like, I don't, I don't know what they're really changing by that, but I just think, you know, conceptually it sounds good to, you know, yeah, manage to, you know, the regular everyday person. So I get it. Like I said, I'm fuzzies. It's a PR play in my, in my opinion, and I can see both sides of the coin because as a new investor, I was real frustrated that I was getting outbid and, you know, properties getting snatched up because I wasn't moving fast enough because I didn't know enough. So I understand that part. Um, and I just wonder how they will di- differentiate between a regular consumer or an investor. Like, can you not buy under LLC or like what what's the differentiator, you know, Um but I, I just feel like sometimes these these um, these lawmakers, they just be pulling stuff out their butt sometimes. And I just be like, I need y'all to think about what y'all talking about before you just put it out there. But, you know. Yeah. yeah. One one thing I'm starting to realize is like a lot of banks, they don't understand real estate at all. Like when I was calling around for this, uh, this equity play on my primary, it was one bank that was like, you know, we do the appraisal. It's based off our system. And it was, they said no matter what the appraised value was, it was going. They was going to put the appraised value as the lower of either a the purchase price or b the appraisal. I'm like, what's the point of me getting the appraisal then if it's going to come at the lower of? And they're like, well, that's just our metric for the first year because of some some. I'm like, that don't make sense. Why would I go through y'all for an appraisal if you say it's going to be the lower of the purchase price or the new value? That makes no it's, sense. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, what incentive do I have to get an appraisal? <laughs> what incentive do I have to work with your bank? That's the bigger yeah. question. <laughs> and she's like, I'll, I'll exp- I would explain more, but you don't seem interested. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna call you back, fam. I'm, yeah, I'm not interested. <laughs> yeah, she blew it. So I find that 
when I get somebody on the phone that don't have an understanding of what I'm talking about off the rip, I don't want to talk to them no more. Can I speak to your manager? Can I speak to the banks? You know, it's like, if you don't understand, I'm not going to spend all this time explaining it to you because that's time wasted. I want to work with somebody that knows just what I'm trying to do. So it might, it might be, you know, a better play for you to go to alternative banking, you know, that's not so traditional because traditional is rigid and they're slow to the new trends and, you know, they're slow to everything basically. So like, there's so many other, you know, um, financial institutions you could use that, you know, I probably would go to those first or you can, you know, maybe find somebody else to talk to at that bank because, that's one thing that turns me off. And that's what any, anything, anybody that I call, they'll know what I'm talking about in the first two minutes. It's, it's a done deal. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a fact. That's a fact. Yeah. It's first thing as a investor, but I did call around. I did find a banker that understood everything I was talking about. So I got his email contact info and when I'm ready to buy those several properties. I definitely will be hitting him up. That banker, is he from the commercial arm of the bank? Because that would be like a commercial play. Yeah, he from the uh, the business banking. Oh, okay. Okay. Because yeah, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm trying to buy this in the LLC because I don't want all those uh, properties to be on my debt to income ratio as far as personally. Right, right. Oh, you got to talk about that too. So for our listeners, um, debt to income is really important when you're trying to get funding. And um, just talk about that play that you just, that you just mentioned about... Okay. Put C instead of having it under your name. Okay. So one disclaimer I will say first, if you want to buy FHA property or a conventional property, you cannot put it in an LLC. And a lot of times people hear what I'm saying. They're like, oh, okay, I'm going to buy FHA. You cannot. It is impossible. You have to buy a FHA or a conventional owner occupant. You have to buy in your personal name. So let me just get that out the way. So if y'all want to start, hit up Zena, get on a call. But you cannot buy your LLC name. Two. Um, so like I said, with this equity we have in my primary home, we're currently fixing it up now and we want to take out an equity loan. But the properties we are buying is from a solely cash flow perspective. Like, you know, if I get equity, I'm cool with it, but I know what the numbers are going to be on the cash flow day in and day out. And that's what's going to really, you know, allow me to potentially maybe be a retired my lady. So the reason why we are buying it in our LLC, in the LLC, is because one, it's off our personal credit. So it won't be on our debt to income on our personal side. Um, and then two, there are some things we want to buy. Like, I ain't going to lie. I want that big body Benz or the Rover. I ain't going to lie. I'll take either or. But when we buy, I plan on buying it in the LLC name. So that way it's kind of a, it could be a write off if it's over 6,000 pounds when I get into all of that because it's not a G-Wagon. But uh, yeah, that's the play. The play is really just take equity out of this home, um, buy a portfolio of properties, so five to seven different properties at one time, buy under LLC name, and then just you know run it up from there. Honestly, that's dope. That's dope. it's kind of scary. It's it's kind of exciting and scary looking again to the next level. Can I add up the numbers? I'm like, damn, we'll be at that next level of just being like comfortable, comfortable. But I know in like it'll go away for me in like two days because. I get over goals fast after I hit them. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like, what's next? What's next? Right. Uh, so, yeah, just to reiterate with FHA, FHA is a is a low income um, type of program for people to, you know, that, that have lower income to get, you know, ownership and to start building wealth. 
same as com, um, a conventional owner occupied, which means when you buy it, one of the the owner has to um, occupy one of the units. So that is not a wealth play in in those terms. So you have to buy it in your personal name, which is fine because that can catapult you into the next thing. Because with FHA, you only have to own it for a year or even six months before you refinance out of it to a conventional loan. And then you can buy your next property under FHA. I'm sorry, under LLC. And you can even put that property that you bought originally as FHA under LLC. So it just depends on what your strategy is and what your goals are. But just like Tremaine said, off the off the top, you have to, you know, just put it in your in your personal name, which is fine because you know, most people that start now and they go into FHA, they, they're working on their debt to income. So they're bringing all their personal debt down so that they can qualify. And um, once you purchase it, you know, your debt to income does go up a little bit. Um, but what Tremaine is doing is really smart. And um, because once you buy LLC, that's in your business name. So it's under that business credit, if, if you will. And then your personal doesn't have the additional mortgages under your personal so that your debt to income doesn't, you know, um, expand. So it, it, it keeps you more fluid in terms of things that you want to do with your personal credit. <clears throat> but once you get to the level that Tremaine is in, in terms of owning like several properties, you want to start thinking about your LLC play and your strategies around that. No, that's a fact. That's a fact. Hey, this is the last thing I wanted to talk to you about before we wrap this episode up. And I, um, I was thinking about the other day. I'm like, yo, this is really a trap. And I call it the project trap. And let me explain to you what I mean. Um, like, for instance, right, you know, you fix your building up, right? And you fixed up unit by unit. Sometimes when you get done with those projects, you'd be like, yo, I want to buy the next one because then I can do a full gut and I can do the flooring and this and this and that. And that's kind of what I was thinking. I was thinking about buying these several properties at one time. I'm like, I could do seven projects. I could have, I know my painters, they're going to be painting on this house Monday, this house Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Then I think about it, I'm like, yo, that's a money pit. Like, <laughs> that's just a big ass money pit. It sounds like a lot of stress. You know, that's, you know, a lot could go wrong because, you know, when I first thought about buying these properties, I was thinking of buying like seven, five to seven fixture uppers that was like vacant, nobody living in there. And I can fix them all up and I'll have equity and appreciation and cash flow. But then I started thinking about it. I'm like, I need to make things easier for me. So it's like, if I'm buying seven properties at a time, I need to have at least three or four of them be occupied. Mm-hmm. You know, that way, day one, it's like, okay, regardless to what's going on with these other three, I got this coming in regardless. Yes, yes. I think that so many people that get into this space do the same thing that you just said about, oh, I'm going to just buy these five properties. All they go, they're going to be all gut rehabs. And they don't think about how money day to day. Like, how am I going to have money, you know, monthly and um, not be so stressed out about pushing my guys to finish these projects so I can cash out refis, you know, and get a tenant in there. I think with the way that you're doing it is so smart. We talked about it the other day. You was like, if I get eight properties, I want at least four of them occupied or even five because, you know, I can work on those projects and still be cash flowing. And it just takes so much pressure off of you. I totally agree with that. I was telling my husband, if we do lipstick, let's keep it lipstick. But, you know, um, let's be more strategic about how we go about, you know, buying more properties. So when I buy the four units out in Chicago, I usually go for a turnkey, something that's already been done. And I'm looking at the cash flow. 
um, the arm of the business in Philly is, you know, lipsticks and that always turn out to be freaking full guts <laughs> because people behind stuff and you don't know until you start opening walls up that it's a mess. But, you know, like you said, like having having these properties that's already cash flowing and has tenants in it, that is like the best play because you have, you know, the best of both. And while you're, you know, while you're working on other things, you're not so stressed for cash because that's the worst position to be in. I talk about it all the time. That stress from not bringing enough money it, it, it is it's detrimental. So, you know, I think like what you said, that it's a trap. It is a trap. People should think about having, you know, rentals and having projects, not just being like, I'm going to do all these projects because you're thinking about the bigger money grab at the end. But in the interim, what, how, how much money are you bringing in? You know, so, yeah. How I much totally are you losing? Because <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Somebody not show up to a project. That's cool. But three different projects at the same time. That sounds real stressful. <laughs> that sounds real stressful. It is. It's very stressful. And then don't don't let your crew, you know, get sick or whatever. It's just don't do it to yourself. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. So honestly, I like planning ahead. So when I was talking to the guy, he was saying that um, well, I was talking to the banker. He said usually on those type of loans, it's like minimum 60 days as far as the closing period. So I'm like, okay, cool. Cause what that's gonna do is gonna allow me to not only um probably get established with the tenants, but it allowed me to kind of game plan the work I'm going to do on the three or four properties that do need work. So, okay, I can have my painters come through and walk, you know, and give me a quote. Okay, y'all can start on this day. Okay, what about the flooring? Okay, this will be going with the flooring for everything. Because me, like, I'm an accountant, so I'm a creature of habit. So it's like, if it's gray flooring, gray walls, white trim, it's like that all across. So it's like, okay, give me the measurements for this property. Y'all going to pick it up from this. What Home Depot y'all going to pick it up from? Okay, I'm going to send it to this here. The day one is going to be, you know what I mean? It's going to be there. I'm going to have a lock boxes. Here's the code. Go. You know what I mean? Yep. You got your ducks all in a row. I love I love how you think so tr- strategically. And I wanted to ask you one quick thing because it came to me as you were talking about the 1031 exchange. So if, if there's a new investor and they're like, I want to do what Tremaine is doing, but I need a little bit more information. Can people reach out to you and have like a consultation on, you know, not not giving giving them tax information or anything like that, but just like strategically how they should go about the next thing? Is, is that something that you would be open to, like mentorship? Oh, this the mentor <laughs> part. Uh, I don't know about the mentor on anything, but if you want to reach out to have a consult to kind of have a conversation about, you know, how you want to get into real estate, yeah, I'm open. I'm open because I definitely think it's two ways you need to think about going into real estate. Like you trying to change your life 15 years from now, or you trying to change your life within the next three to five years. Cause those are two different entry points. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I know you was just like mentorship. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I got a sub, man. That's the only one I'm mentoring right now, man. I don't know. I got time for mentorship. That sounds like a job. And I don't know if I want a job with somebody else right now. Honestly, just honestly speaking. Right, right. Okay. I do want to help somebody. If I can help somebody get to that next level, for sure. Yeah. I just wanted to put that out there because I know a lot of people might be like, you know, I've been following him for a minute. I I did a couple of things, but he's about to, you know, go into the stratosphere and I want to go there too. So maybe, you know, I could, you know, pick his brain to, you know, help me get there. So I just wanted to know if you offer, you know, at least consultations. I know mentorship is not on the table right now. Not right now, but yeah, I mean, I, I said I don't talk to anybody that's talking with some sense and got urgency. So 
If you want to, uh, I definitely, I have a console thing on my page. So if you're interested and want to just sit down and talk real estate, I put real estate slash accounting because so many th- things that happen within real estate, there are, you know, tax incentives and sometimes people aren't as knowledgeable of them. So for sure, link in bio. Okay, that's dope. All right, cool. <laughs> Y'all heard that, right? <laughs> so the listeners out there, if you have questions about, you know, your next play in real estate, Get up Tremaine. He'll he'll put you put you on the right track. No, that's a fact. That's a fact. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I think pretty much that's gonna probably do it for this episode. You got anything else you want to add? Yep, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> okay, so you know, uh definitely I need y'all to like, subscribe, comment, review, follow <laughs> our Instagram page. I need all that, fam. We got too many listeners to not have enough reviews, man. We need more reviews, fam. Yeah. And, you know, liking it helps us with the algorithm. So, you know, our page reaches more people. So because there's a lot of people that's looking for a way out and we want to help them, you know, in any way possible. So liking, liking, subscribing, following, leaving reviews, that all helps with the algorithm so that we can reach more people and amplify the message. So if you can help us out, we would greatly appreciate it. (laughs) That's a fact. That's a fact. Well, that's going to do it. I'm Tremaine, one and a half, aka the nine to five landlord. And I'm Zena Dixon, a.k.a. Zena Dixon, Inc. All right, y'all. Be blessed.